Washington. It's real talk. Man, it's real talk with your main Chip Washington. When it comes to information, the main got an arsenal. Bring you up to speed with what you need. He's a local and nationwide news feed. Let's talk about it. Dialect to do something about it. Chip got the flow wide open if you got questions about it. Man, it's the show that brings you to your raw. To solve all problems, it starts with real talk. Real talk. And here we go, here we go on this Monday, the 21st day of February 2022. Real Talk Memphis is on the air. What's good? How y'all doing out there? It is your humble host, Chip Washington. Very happy to have you with us on this rainy, kind of windy, kind of a blustery night. I hear that umbrellas are the order of the day for the remainder of the week because we're going to get a lot of water uh, on us between now and, say, Friday, and then the temperatures are going to dip down, you know, back into the 40s uh, for the highs. Oh, fun. Anyway, uh, once again, uh, welcome in to another uh, fun-filled, information-filled, fact-filled edition of Real Talk Memphis. Uh, always uh, happy to have you uh, uh, with us uh, on these days. We have a good show for you tonight. I feel pretty confident, you know, if, if I don't mess up, you know, I know the guest will be great, but if I don't mess up, everything else will take care of itself. But before we, you know, do what we do, what we do, uh, you're always asking me, how do I get this fine piece of radio broadcasting? Well, I am more than happy to share that information with you. You can do it a number of ways. One you can uh, listen to us live right now on 91.7 on your FM dial. That's WYXR. You can also catch us on the WYXR app. Uh, all these shows are live. Are live. You can also uh, pick us up on the TuneIn app, T-U-N-E-I-N. Put WYXR in the search, and you can hear us crystal clearly. We are also uh, doing this little Facebook Live deal. So you can uh, check us out uh, on my page, live, Facebook Live. And uh, we'll be uh, uploading to YouTube a bit later on tonight. And tomorrow, as we are a podcast, you can catch us wherever you get your podcast. So uh, as I said, and now that you got all that information down, and if, and if you need a refresher, just hit me up here on the old Facebook Live, and I will, I will you know, go back over it one more time. Uh, we're going to talk about a variety of things tonight. Uh, we are going to pay homage uh, as we continue this Black History Month. We are going to talk to the president of the National Civil Rights Museum a bit later on in the show. He is Dr. Russell Wigington, uh, in particular about the, what the museum is doing, what this means for the museum uh, this time of year, and a special exhibit that they are uh, hosting right now as well. Uh, a little bit later, we are going to talk to... Uh, 
An old friend, Karen Vogel, saying uh, she is the executive director of Arise to Read. And uh, she's going to share with us uh, what the organization, you know, is doing to improve the literacy of our younger generation. And also about a trip that she recently came back from where she was the keynote speaker talking to another state in another city about partnering in this endeavor. And uh, in just a few minutes, we are going to talk to the senior pastor of One Accord International Church. His name is Terrell Munger. Uh, and Pastor Terrell is going to talk to us about uh, how he uh, takes the inner workings of uh, the church inside the four walls out into the community. And he's also going to share with us um, about uh, a grand opening uh, for a facility that he has in the Parkway Village area uh, that is going to benefit everyone concerned and hopefully bring the community together. So now you're all caught up. Now, uh, before we move forward here, you know, we have to acknowledge you. This is the time of program where we acknowledge that next trip around the sun that you were fortunate enough to make. You know what I'm talking about? They're called birthdays, and we like to celebrate you. But we can't do that until I say, hit it, Jack. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday goes out to the following. And, you know, last week we had like a, like a, like a mile-long list of birthdays. Uh, this week, not so much, but, it, but, but just in advance, all of you who are celebrating birthdays for the remainder of the month of February, happy birthday to you. But today, happy birthdays go out to Angela Ford. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Vince Higgins, wherever it is you are on this globe. <laughs> I haven't seen Vince and talked to him in quite a long time. Cat uh, McWill is celebrating a birthday as well today. Now, for tomorrow, uh, someone else I know, Curtis Lopez, is celebrating a birthday. And Leon Gray. Many of you remember Leon. Uh, he uh, passed away, unfortunately, last year. Tomorrow uh, would be his heavenly birthday. He would have been 63 years of age. And I tell you, you know, we miss Leon. A lot of folks knew him, a lot of folks loved him, and a lot of folks respected him, including me. So, happy heavenly birthday to you, Leon Gray. Thank you, Jack. Getting to some news and notes now, uh, shall we? You know, there is a campaign afoot uh, by all of the law enforcement agencies, the Shelby County Sheriff's Office, the Memphis Police Department, and the, uh, the Highway Patrol, um, Tennessee Highway Patrol. Uh, they are trying to crack down on these deadly crashes uh, that we see with uh, regularity, it seems, these days. So far, there have been 31 deadly crashes. Now, this was over the weekend, and actually there was a very tragic accident this morning on Tullahoma and Shelby Drive over in the airport area. Three people in the vehicle, two of them were killed. A uh, car apparently uh, went off the road, lost control, and hit a utility pole. Uh, so, you know, we're seeing a, 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 a big time increase in the accidents on the highways uh, that we're dealing with this year. Uh, so there's been 33 deadly crashes so far in the city. And this is only we haven't even got through February yet. Uh, Tennessee Highway Patrol Safety Office said uh, in 2019, there were 144 fatal crashes. Uh, that number jumped to 229 in 2020 and 230 in 2021. So uh, they say they don't want to give you a ticket. They want to help you to save your life. 
But trust me, if you get one of these speeding tickets or what I would like to call, what I like to call the high-speed driving certificate, if you don't want to get one of those, slow it down, take it easy, and remember that there are actually other folks on the road besides you. Two men have been added as persons of interest in the Young Dolph murder investigation. Now, we don't know uh, how they're connected. Uh, we don't know, you know what their affiliation with, is with all of this. I know that both of them are 26 years of age. They both have uh, prior uh, uh, legal entanglements. Uh, so we will see if they, uh, they arrest them, if they are connected to this case. But two more interest, uh, two more people uh, wanted uh, in the uh, Young Dolph murder case. According to the uh, Memphis uh, Police Department, or actually, let me back up just a minute. Many of you probably heard about the four-year-old child that was shot on Friday night in East Memphis uh, in her residence. According to the police department, it happened just before 9 at a residence on South Perkins Road in East Memphis. She was taken to the Bonner, uh, where she is uh, in critical condition, still fighting for her life. Um, no suspect information other than they drove away in a dark-colored vehicle. So the madness uh, continues. Community leaders um, <clears throat> are calling for, you know, I know before I, I'll preface this by saying, uh, that many of you, this is the dinner hour, 6 o'clock-ish, uh, that many of you are eating. But, you know, news is news. A lot of community leaders are calling for an investigation into the family dollar stores and asking consumers to stop shopping there after more than 1,000 dead rodents uh, were found in a West Memphis distribution warehouse. Yeah, this past weekend. And because of that, more than 400 family dollar stores are temporarily closed. Yeah, that's, that's not a good thing. That's, that, that, and, it, and, it, and it tends to make you wonder. Uh, now, there have been complaints about uh, people seeing some strange little uh, crawly things in, in stores here in the city. I don't know how much has been done about that. But uh, over 1,000 uh, dead uh, rodents, uh, rats and mice and birds and other things that should not be in warehouses. So uh, we will uh, see uh, G.E. Hardaway, G.A. Hardaway, rather, state representative, uh, had a press conference about that earlier today and uh, says that you should boycott those stores. And before we go to our first break, I uh, wanted to uh, acknowledge one of our very own, not our very own here at the station, but our very own Memphians, uh, John Morant, was voted uh, into the All-Star Game as a starter. And uh, if you had to happen to see that game last night, of course, it's just an exhibition is all it is. But he showed out last night, a little reverse dunk over the head last night and a couple of other moves, uh, you know, kind of validated his presence here. He's having a, an outstanding season, as are our Memphis Grizzlies. So a couple of more days off in between this All-Star break, and then we're back to business, the business of, you know, heading down the home stretch, heading into the playoffs and seeing just how far we can go. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to try to dismiss from our minds how bad Memphis looked against SMU over the weekend. That was a terrible, terrible, terrible <laughs> Even Lola shaking her head like, oh, that was awful. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. It really was. They were on a bit of a streak, but see, they got, they got waylaid uh, over the weekend. So we hope that uh, the next day will prove them doing better. We are going to stop and take our first break. And when we come back, we're going to get this thing kicked off. 
Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, uh, the community action one pastor is taking uh, in the uh, Parkway Village area of town. This is Real Talk Memphis. I am your humble host, Chip Washington. You know who you are, and we will be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. Support for WYXR, including our 2022 stereo sessions, comes from Tamburino. Tamburino's staff of IT specialists help businesses with technology setup and support. Details at Tamburino.com. Support for WYXR, including our 2022 stereo sessions, comes from Archer Malmo, a Memphis-based marketing, digital, PR, and branding agency. Archer Malmo believes the greatest asset of any creative entity is its people and proudly supports WYXR for lifting up Memphis voices for the world to hear. More at ArcherMalmo.com. Memphis Listening Lab proudly supports WYXR. They provide a curated collection of music and music history, a forum for music-related talks and performances, and a music education, appreciation, and experimentation space located in Crosstown Concourse. The lab is open Tuesday through Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can find out more information on their Instagram page at Memphis Listening Lab or on their website at memphislisteninglab.org. celebrate gospel music with Gary Goen Saturday, March 5th, as he presents a tribute to gospel music featuring Danny Cosby and Effie Johnson. Hold on to your seat and prepare for a spiritual tribute of new and exciting original music on stage at the Halloran Center. For tickets and more information, visit orpheum-memphis.com. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on this Monday. Very happy to have you with us. I'm very happy to have my first guest with us. Uh, he is, uh, you know, a man who has a heart uh, for the community that he serves, which is the Parkway Village community. Uh, he uh, understands that the church is far more than four walls. And uh, this coming weekend, he has a very special grand opening uh, for a facility uh, that, uh, that he is behind. Uh, so please welcome to Real Talk Memphis, uh, Terrell Monger, pastor, senior pastor of One Accord International. And Terrell, thank you again for joining me for Real Talk tonight. I really appreciate it. Terrell, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. Once again, I really appreciate you being here. 
Hey, man, I'm excited to be here. As I was saying, I've been thinking about this all day, so I'm ready. Well, absolutely that, man. And listen, first of all, uh, thank you for what you do uh, for our community. Thank you for what you do to try to, to help you know, bring folks together uh, with uh, your efforts at your church, uh, One Accord International. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, grand opening for the uh, uh, athletic facility in just a few minutes. But I want to spend a couple of minutes talking to you about, uh, as someone who is in an area where we have seen, uh, you know, an influx of crime. Of course, we've seen it all over Memphis. But you, your, your church is in the Parkway Village area, and I, I know that is of a special concern to you. Um, when you see what you see on a daily basis, when you hear uh, another life taken, when you hear, you know, another tragic situation that has occurred as a pastor, what do you think about? Yeah, what it does for me is it, I'm actually at a fresh place because we end up buying the old Salvation Army building and we're renovating it. And I will constantly hear about all these shootings, all these carjackings in the Parkway Village area. Then I thought about it, wait a minute, the building we just bought <laughs> is in the Parkway Village area. Mm -hmm. And so while everybody else got concerned, I got excited. Because, you know, I grew up in South Memphis and the Bells Apartments, and I understand that one new thought can change your whole life. And so with me being a creative myself, you know, doing music videos, stage plays, I just feel like using arts, entertainment, and sports, you can help spark that new thought that could change somebody else's life. And all it takes is a few. A few that believe can make it hit the other people. So when I hear it going on, I just say, what can I do to inject that new thought that can start a culture change? When you uh, speak to your congregants, uh, you know, on, on, on Sundays and you and you and you think about the messages that you are trying to, to deliver, what you just said there was it was very, very important. And it really only takes a few to 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 sort of like the fuse, if you will, to be the catalyst for change, uh, which sounds like exactly what you're talking about. Talk about that a little bit more, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, everybody that comes to my church, because I personally meet with every new visitor. So if you've been in the church, 95% of the people, you heard me say, I believe that the gift God gave me, the reason I was put on this earth, is to wake up the dreams and passion that's out of other people. Mm -hmm. And see, when you get a vision for your own life, you know how to pick the right friends to go in your life. You know how to make the right decisions in your life. Most people make bad decisions because they don't have a vision for their life. And I don't care how much you try to tell them what's right. They'll fight it until they see something they want for themselves. Because that's what happened to me. When I was on the streets in Atlanta, I started doing Madden tournaments and three-on-three -three basketball tournaments. And when I, I just wanted to create a positive environment. But when they were coming for the sports, they were coming for the video games, wanting to be a part of that mm -hmm. made them discipline themselves so they could be a part of it. Mm -hmm. So my whole thing is when you find your vision, your passion, your purpose, it'll help you discipline your whole life. And when you find yours, you can help other people find theirs. We are speaking with Terrell Monger. He's the senior pastor of One Accord International Church. And, uh, you know, we were talking, uh, you know, a little bit earlier about this, uh, this, this building that you bought and, uh, you know, what you are hoping to achieve uh, by you having a grand opening on Saturday. Tell folks uh, what they can expect in terms of this new facility. Yeah, it, you, you're going to expect, number one, open doors. <laughs> okay. Most people get, yeah, most people get a family life center, and it's just 
a building to have. Well, we're actually, we've already invited several leagues around the city to play in our facility so we can invite some of the people out in the community to be a part of it, get some of the young cats, the young women, the young men to come be a part of the league because in our facility, we focus on character. You won't, you won't see coaches cussing out the referees and cussing out the players. And if you do see them, you're going to see them getting escorted out. You're going to hear music that's nice, it's bumping, but it's going to have messages that are positively influenced. And so if you create the right atmosphere and people stay in it long enough, they can take that positive atmosphere back to their homes. So that's what we want to do with this facility. Allow them to do what they love, but create a culture and atmosphere that help them change their view of life so they can take it back to their families. Was that the specific reason you decided to open up this facility? I mean, there had to be, there's always a, you know, a spark. Uh, that that starts these ideas was 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 what you just talked about was was that the 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 originated thought in terms of behind this? Absolutely, because I didn't I didn't even intend to get into ministry. I started out having video game tournaments, and I told people, "Hey, man, you can't cuss if you're gonna play this, man." And and once <laughs> a, you know you whoop somebody up in Madden, they'll respect you. So since <laughs> I was whooping everybody up, you know, I won their respect. And when I won their respect, they started to want to emulate the lifestyle I was trying to live. And when a uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution reporter wrote an article about me in a newspaper, they said, these young guys out there doing street ministry. I wasn't doing street ministry. I was just creating a positive environment for kids to go into. Well, it grew so big, we started doing three-on-three basketball tournaments, and people started trying to see how can I train their youth ministry, their leadership team, their outreach team. And next thing you know, I was considered a minister because what I was doing was changing people. This is uh, how, how, how positive uh, change uh, gets started. And uh, before I let you go, and before I... I, 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 I let you give all of the contact information and the who, what, where, where. Um, is this something that you hope will take off? Well, I'll just ask that question. I mean, what are you hoping to achieve? Obviously, besides, you know, there's a there's a refuge there, there's a place there that people can go to express their their, their creative talents and their abilities. But I mean, do you is this just the beginning for you? Are you do you have a vision outside of even this facility to do more? Yeah, well, two things. You asked me two questions. I'm going to ask the both of them. Okay. I see this doing what it has done for so many other people who could afford it. So I'm not new to what I'm doing. I just have been in environments where I worked in corporate America helping people. I've been around people who had access to things like this. Now I get the opportunity to let people who can't afford it get access to the language the culture, the understanding that they need so they can navigate through life. See, some of the things that I've been able to coach and teach people, they get great jobs because of it. They start businesses because of it. Mm -hmm. But the people who really need it can't afford it. So my goal is to create an atmosphere where they can come get it and live up to it and create a life for themselves so they can see why things like this are important and they can help me spread it. Well, I tell you what, before we go, uh, give uh, all of the listeners the information, uh, the who, what, when, where of the uh, facility and the event this weekend. All right. It's at 4741 Winchester Road. It starts Saturday, the 26th. 
and it's going to be from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Come early so you can get a T-shirt. You might even get a Grizzly basketball. You might even get a freeze cup. I don't know. Just come out <laughs> and enjoy the moment so we can have a good time. 4741 Winchester Road, 3 p.m., the 26th, Saturday. Come on out. The name of the facility is what now? One, One Glory Athletic Association. Well, I like that. One Glory Athletic Association. And I Look, like... the reason behind it is I call it One Glory because everybody deserves a chance to see how it feels to win. Whether it's in life, on the court, with a woman, whatever, you get the taste of that first win, it'll make up for all the losses. <laughs> so get in the atmosphere so you can see how I feel to win. Man, I tell you, you got me all, you got me all ribbed up now. I'm all psyched up and ready to go. You know, we, <laughs> we, I, I'm, I'm glad we worked out our technical kinks, and I'm glad we got you on on the serious note because what you're doing is so desperately needed in our community, and I hope that others, you know, outside of what it is that you're doing, follow your lead, and hopefully, you know, we can start to to see some more positive and do a lot less talking about negative. So uh, I wish you nothing but the best of luck. And thank you for coming on this show. And, you know, you can come back here anytime, man. And you, you got me all psyched up. You, I'm sure there's a lot of folks out there listening that are psyched up as well. So all the best to you, man. And anything we can do to help promote anything positive that you're doing, we're always here. Thank you, man. I wake up like this. So whenever. It's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, man. You have a good evening. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, man. Okay, yeah. <laughs> wow, that was, now see, you know, it, that was worth the wait. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you didn't hear me get too frantic earlier. We were just trying to figure stuff out. You know what I mean? Like I said, when you're dealing with Zoom and technical stuff, these things happen. But anyway, we're on the right track and we're off to a great start. So we're going to take our, our second break. And when we come back, we're going to delve into the history, this black American history. This is... Um, this is uh, the month uh, that we celebrate and commemorate uh, the, the good uh, in our society uh, by folks that look a lot like me. Uh, so we're going to take our second break. This is Real Talk Memphis. When we come back, Dr. Russell Wigington of the National Civil Rights uh, Museum will join me. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest or have a guest idea? Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. The Brooks is open in Overton Park, home to Memphis Art Collection since 1916. The Memphis Brooks Museum of Art holds the largest collection of world art in the region, with more than 10,000 works spanning 5,000 years of art and cultures. Remember, every Wednesday is free and open until 8 p.m. They are a proud sponsor of WYXR. For more information about the museum and their exhibitions, visit brooksmuseum.org. You belong at the Brooks. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. 
And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis on this Monday. So happy to have you with us. And I got to do a little roll call here because there's a lot of folks watching us tonight. Herman Bird is watching. Uh, I see you out there, Herman. Randy R. Randy P. Leslie is watching. Light out Cheshire. That's my cousin. He's out there watching as well. That's that's Dale. <laughs> He's checking us out on the West Coast in Las Vegas, Nevada, by the way. Uh, Audrey Hill is uh, on with us. Diane Towns. Uh, Gerard Walker. Uh, yeah, so far so good. Let me see here. I don't, that's Janice Chestnut. Good evening to you. She's so formal. Good evening, Chip Washington. How you doing? Uh, Ethel. Ethel, since that, Ethel used to be the um, the longtime assignment editor at uh, WREG, uh, uh, News Channel 3, for a long, long, long time. She's retired now and enjoying herself. Cousin Kizzy is watching. <laughs> Bishop Bob Midget and Patricia Rogers, Shirley uh, Aguilera Logan. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you all. I see you. I appreciate you. Our next guest is a man uh, that is at the helm of history, I'd like to say. Uh, he is the current uh, president of the National Civil Rights Museum. This is Black History Month, of course, uh, that we celebrate uh, the accomplishments of uh, so many. And uh, I'm very happy to have again on the show Russell Wigington, Dr. Russell Wigington. He is the president, as I said, of the National Civil Rights Museum. And Dr. Russ, thank you so much for coming back. I appreciate you. My pleasure, Chip. So excited to be here today. So listen, uh, you know, as we uh, roll our way through the month of February, uh, you know, this Black History Month, uh, there's a lot to celebrate. There's a lot to commemorate, of course. And when, whenever I think about that, I think about the National Civil Rights Museum, you know, as as the home base for all of this. So can you kind of give us a, a preview of, uh, of, of what's going on uh, during this uh, special month of uh, recognition? Absolutely, Chip. And, you know, the the importance of Black History Month resonates at the museum. We have tremendous uh, attendance, uh, great support throughout the community, and we have a special exhibit uh, highlighting some of the pioneers, the African-American pioneers coming from Alsac St. Jude. Uh, currently at the museum, which is a moment of pride for us and a moment of pride for them. Absolutely, that. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I know that there are three individuals in in particular that you are that you are highlighting. Um, St. Jude is celebrating its 60th anniversary, and uh, the individuals that you are that you are highlighting, you know, had a you know had a place in history. You know, there. Tell us a little bit about what folks can expect. Sure. So when you think about the, the importance of architecture and, and its longevity in our community, a lot of times African-American great architects have been overlooked and to have Paul Williams who had who developed that signature look of, yeah. of St. Jude uh, as one of the prominent people highlighted. And then to have uh, Dr. Jackson, who, if you think about it, 60 years ago, having a physician uh, who uh, a career and a I think we froze. I think I lost you. I got you back. I got you back. Okay. Okay. Uh, but just have talking about Dr. Jackson and the and the the role of physicians in that profession, the important role when you're thinking about health equity, uh, his presence at St. Jude 60 years ago, what that meant for African Americans, what that meant as a moment of pride, what that meant about the legitimacy of. Uh, cancer like sickle cell yeah. and other diseases. Mm -hmm. It's just really profound 
that that happened here in Memphis. And it's something we should lift up throughout the year, not just Black History Month, but we are so proud to uh, be in partnership with Alsac St. Jude on that effort. I hope it's an inspiration for young people today to think about the difference they can make and the importance of uh, doing your best academically, being committed to the community, and making a difference in the world. That is a very, very, very good thought that you just expressed. Um, because I, I think for a lot of folks, uh, a lot of the people that, that you have, that you all represent, you know, are trailblazers. And um, the, the doctor you mentioned Dr. Williams, a, a minute ago, uh, this happened in 1968 um, during uh, the sanitation strike and a lot of other, you know, very hot button issues that were going on here in Memphis at that particular time. St. Jude has always been a place where, you know, it, 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 race clearly was not an issue. It wasn't an issue back then. And, 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 and that continues today. Their mission, you know, of course, is to, uh, you know, saving lives, you know, uh, you know, uh, finding cures, saving children is their is their mission statement. And of course, to have these individuals so prominent in that has to be a sense of pride. And of course, you know, I, I, I did read some articles in reference to the exhibit, and, you know, and, and just how um, happy and, and I, I think gratified St. Jude was to be a partnership with uh, your museum. Am, am, am I correct in that? That, that? Yes, and that works both ways. Uh, I think of both of our organizations as having a clearly an important place in this community. But if you look throughout the nation and throughout the world, we're two of the institutions that point back and, and lift up Memphis True. on our best day. True. And uh, when you think about working together, uh, it's a pretty powerful combination. We don't off, we don't often enough uh, lift lift up the greatness and the richness in our community. I also think it's really important because of the health inequities that are being talked about in this country today. Certainly, the pandemic is connected to that. It's highlighting those health inequities. And when we can partner with Alsac St. Jude uh, in this effort. It shows that there it, that it can be done. Mm -hmm. People can have, regardless of income, regardless of race, people can have and deserve decent health care. And so this is a uh, precursor, if you will, for an area that we will be emphasizing at the museum, which is health equity. That's big. Uh, if you're just joining us, ladies and gentlemen, we are speaking with Dr. Russell Wigginton. He is the president of the National Civil Rights Museum here in Memphis. You know, as we are uh, talking about uh, Black History Month and, and, and what you said had us a lot of power to it uh, in, in terms of recognizing uh, these individuals uh, at an organization, uh, you know, that has, is totally committed uh, to saving lives and finding cures. And to be a part of that and to be associated, as you said, with the history, you know, of not only this city, it lifts up this city. And, and, and again, it, it, it could serve as uh, a launching pad for a lot of young people um, today uh, who see this story, who hear this story, who may come to see the exhibit and say to themselves, man, if, if they could do it, I could do it, too, which is what you just said. That could be a real building block, could it not? I, I think so. And uh, the power of thinking about 60 years ago when segregation was the norm. Right. And one of the areas that that segregation where it came out the most, if you will, where it, it was emphasized the most is healthcare disparity. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. and the fact that in many communities, including our own, uh, who could be um, uh, who could be treated was based on race. For outside St. Jude to overlook that and say, not only can you be treated here, but we have an African American physician here who is doing important research and important work serves as a model, serves as a guide. Uh, We still have a lot to learn from some of our history, warts and all, the troubling spots and all, Mm -hmm. but ultimately thinking about how do we take the best of all aspects of our community and merge it for the benefit of the greater good. That's what we, that's one of the reasons we're so excited about this exhibit. And it just dovetails beautifully with our human and civil rights and social justice focus at the museum. I couldn't be more proud to be in partnership with them. Uh, I think it uh, has an opportunity to uh, flourish beyond just this month. Sure. The exhibit will be up through March 8th. So I encourage people to come to the museum to see it. And while you're there, check out the other 400 years of history. <laughs> that's grounded in this country mm-hmm. where African-Americans and others had the courage and conviction to make our society the best that it can be. We haven't gotten there yet, but we're committed to being part of the solution, both locally and beyond. Absolutely that. And I could not think of a better way to to uh, to end the interview. Uh, you said, of course, this exhibit is going to be uh, with you all to March 8th. And I would encourage everybody to go down and see what real history and the positive works uh, um, that uh, both these entities uh, are involved in is uh, is really doing uh, to better us all. Uh, Dr. Russell Wigington. Thank you so much, sir, for taking time out of your schedule. I know how busy you are uh, for coming on Real Talk again, and uh, I hope you have. I hope to have you back on again down the road in the future. Uh, in, be, in between that time, all the best to you. Thank you, sir. You do a great job. I enjoy listening to your show, and you know where to find me if you want to. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, Russell. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take right. care. All right, buddy. Okay. Thank you. All right. Bye. Well, that was a great interview, and uh, it's a, it's it, it really does speak to. Uh, where we are as a society and how much we've grown. And the fact that St. Jude didn't let race have influenced them at all in terms of back 60 years ago uh, when they were trying to uh, continue to develop and cures for uh, cancer and other things, sickle cell, and, and, and to have these doctors in, uh, it wasn't about skin color. It was about what can you do to help save our population, and that's what it's all about. Kudos and congratulations to St. Jude and the National Civil Rights Museum. One final break. When we come back, we're going to delve into the world of education with my friend, uh, Miss uh, Karen Vogelsang. Uh, she's going to talk to us about the importance of reading literacy of our young folks. This is Real Talk Memphis. I'm going to try to get my mouth fixed during this commercial break. So when we come back, <laughs> I will sound a bit smoother. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you like Real Talk, here's a way you can get involved. Do you have a show topic idea or suggestion? Want to be considered a guest? 
or have a guest idea. Then send Chip a message on his Real Talk show page and you can be a part of the Real Talk experience. So as he always says, go out and tell somebody. We'll be right back. Memphis Listening Lab proudly supports WYXR. They provide a curated collection of music and music history, a forum for music-related talks and performances, and a music education, appreciation, and experimentation space located in Crosstown Concourse. The lab is open Tuesday through Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. You can find out more information on their Instagram page at Memphis Listening Lab or on their website at memphislisteninglab.org. Brought to you by Crosstown Concourse, offering brand new musical experiences like concerts, live score film screenings, record release parties, weekly music pop-ups, and so much more. For more information, visit crosstownconcourse.com visit. Get Real Talk on the TuneIn mobile app under WYXR, and he's now streaming live on Facebook. And you can also catch a rebroadcast on YouTube. Just put WYXR in the search box and hit subscribe. Now back to more Real Talk with Chip Washington. And welcome back to Real Talk Memphis uh, on this uh, Monday evening. Chip with you. I'm glad you are uh, along for the ride. Uh, I see a couple more folks on here. Patricia A. Rogers. I've been getting Patricia. I've been asking her to listen to this show for the longest time. and She tuned in tonight. So good to see you. And I see Steve Knight is on here as well. So thank you all. Thank you all. I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate my next guest. Uh, She uh, is committed to making sure that our young people have a good foundation in terms of their reading skills. And she has been a guest on our show before, and I'm glad to have her back. Karen Vogelsang is the executive director of Arise to Read. And Karen, welcome back. Thank you. I'm so glad to be on here, Chip. How are you and your wife doing? That's the first question I want to ask. We're doing, we're doing fine. Thank you. Everybody's, everybody's doing well. And thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. So I'm um, glad to have you back on the show and, uh, you know, talk a little bit about uh, Rise to Read and what you guys are up to. Uh, but uh, uh, what caught my attention is that you um, were plucked from Memphis to head to Athens, Georgia, to be the keynote speaker uh, for a, a, a conference. Tell us a little bit about that and, and, and what, what was said and what was gained. Yeah. Um, so pre-COVID, Chip, uh, there is a, a nonprofit there called Downtown Ministries, and they reached out to Arise to Read pre-COVID because they wanted to bring the Arise to Read program uh, to one of their inner city uh, schools there where the, the reading proficiency rate was very low, um, somewhat similar to the reading proficiency rate here in Memphis for third graders. And they got the Arise to Read program started in one of their schools. And then, of course, COVID hit and everything came to a screeching halt. One of the exciting things that happened in Athens last summer was um, a different company that's very socially minded wanted to bring together all of, uh, they wanted to fill the conference room with people from higher ed. They wanted to fill folks from uh, the nonprofit world, business world, uh, uh, regular, uh, you know, K-12, secondary education. They wanted to bring everybody to the table and say, okay, as a community, what are we going to focus on? 
and they decided that they were going to focus on third grade reading proficiency and that they were going to basically put all their energy into supporting kids so that they're when they got to third grade they were going to be reading proficiently and so they reached out to me back in december and the president of the chamber said hey we've heard all about a rise to read we've heard all about you we've heard about the great work going on in memphis could you come to athens and be our keynote speaker and i about fell out of my chair um, but I did, I went to Athens last week. I had an opportunity to speak with basically 420 business people, uh, because that's the key here, Chip. The business community has got to lock arms with the education community. If we're really going to make a difference for children in our communities, because the pandemic has hit our children, especially our children at risk for reading failure, very hard. Yeah, you've, you've always talked about partnership. The partnership is really what creates this successful program. We're having a little trouble with your audio there. Hopefully, uh, you know things are. I don't know if it's a you know mic thing or whatever it is, but uh, yeah, but 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 anyway, that that's amazing. Um, that good news travels fast, clearly. And um, wanting to know about this now, you know, there's something about that third grade level, and I know yeah. we talked about that before. Talk about why why that level is is so important to really start to to ratchet up you know the skills of our of, of our children. Well, the bottom line is there is a research has shown that there is an incredible connection between third grade reading proficiency and high school graduation. Um, oh, for example, sixty six percent. We're talking two out of three fourth graders uh-huh. who are not reading on grade level mm-hmm. by the time they leave the fourth grade. Wow. They, um, they're likely going to require government assistance or they're going to end up being incarcerated. And so we can't wait until children are in fourth or fifth grade, you know, certainly can't wait until they're in middle or high school to address the reading deficiencies that they have. And we know that when children who are reading on grade level by the end of third grade, they've got an 89% graduation rate. And that's the same for children coming from middle income families. So it's critically important that our children have the foundational literacy skills that they need to Chip, let's face it, you're stuck in life if you can't read. True, true, very true. Uh, We are speaking with Karen Vogelsang. She is the executive director of Arise to Read, a wonderful uh, program here in the city. And last time you and I chatted, we were like in the midst of COVID, and you were trying to navigate, you know, uh, you know, teaching young people in, 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 in various remote ways and the difficulties that surrounded that. Um, how did you end up maneuvering through that? And now you're seeing a bit of daylight and getting back to the programmatics that you were pre-COVID, I would imagine? Yeah, yeah. Um, it was amazing. God opened doors that we never imagined would be open. And we had about 300 of our 1,200 plus volunteers that were willing to serve in the virtual learning hub sites that were located throughout the city. And so we were able to serve, uh, it was kind of a revolving door because, you know, some sites were open and then they were closed, but we served between 150, 300 students. Um, and we were serving children from kindergarten to high school. If they were not on grade level, according to our pre-test, we prioritized them uh, for support. And so we had volunteers willing to go into these different sites. And one of the exciting things that happened with that chip is it created new partnerships. We've got a partnership with Memphis Athletic Ministries now, wow. and they are doing the Arise for Read program after school with children besides just children in second grade. It also created an opportunity for us to work with Red Door Urban Missions in the Whitehaven area. We're doing an after school Bible club there. We supported them with Arise to Read. Um, we're continuing that partnership, doing different things over the summer to promote literacy and work with the parents and whatnot. So the pandemic was definitely a very challenging time, but it definitely opened new doors for us to serve children in different places and in different grades. 
But now that school's back, um, all 41 of our schools pre-COVID wanted us back in uh, their schools. Our challenge was a lot of volunteers, you know, most of our volunteers are retirees. They were not comfortable going back in school. So right now we're working with about 550 volunteers, 550 students, because yeah. it's a one-to-one -one ratio, one -one. most effective intervention. Right. Um, and so now the challenge is, you know, we want to get back in all 41 of those schools and you know, we, we're going to need volunteers. We need the Memphis business community to step up and really uh, lock arms with whether it's a Rise to Read or another literacy organization to support children in our in our communities. I would imagine that, um, you know, for a lot of people who volunteer, uh, you know, to to work with you and, and, and your team, that there there has to be such gratification and validation when you see a child start from a certain level, a lower level. And, you know, after you've been working with them for some period of time, just seeing them, them bloom and blossom. I would imagine there's nothing better than that, you know, ever, I would imagine. That's, that's what keeps our volunteers coming back. We've got, pre-COVID, we had over an 85% retention rate. And our volunteers would come back and they would be with, uh, you know, two different students. The power of the program, number one, is our volunteers' commitment to their students. The, the volunteers are working with the same two students throughout the school year. And so when those kids walk in the room and they see their volunteers, their faces just light up. Yeah. And then they see their progress and the volunteers can see the impact. This is another reason that makes a rise to read so powerful is that both the child and the volunteer are seeing the impact at the time that they're spending with one another. And as one of my friends said, who's um, the assistant principal of, uh, at a, show, a Memphis Shelby County School, she said, yeah, the academics are great, but the social emotional benefit for the children, in, in some, for many children, is even more powerful than the academics. And so, yeah, they keep coming back, and we could not do this work without our amazing volunteers, and they do make a very powerful uh, difference for the children that they're serving. It sounds like your program is is is, uh, is almost becoming a pilot, um, you know, really kind of a a standard, a national standard uh, reading program. I mean, given the fact that they knew all about you when you took your trip to to Georgia, and you got a chance to really interface with so many in the community that are vital to the, to to the success of what it is you do on a daily basis. But but could this be a pilot program? You think, or is it? Well, I, well, so first off, what, to answer one part of your question, pre-COVID, Arise to Read was serving with um, almost uh, 57 other schools in 11 other states throughout the country, and yeah, it's yeah. actually being used by um, three different uh, schools in Africa, um, in Kenya, Uganda, and Malawi. Um, so, yeah. International, it, yeah. That's yeah, inter international. Yeah. Um, two Two years ago, yeah, in 2020, I was supposed to go to um, Oxford University and speak at the International Literacy Association about um, a rise to read and the importance of foundational literacy skills. Um, but I think the exciting thing for me about Athens is how they have come together as a, as a community and brought everybody to the table and said together, what are we going to focus on? And this was the agreement that they made to, to commit the next three years to focusing on third grade literacy. Um, because if we can get kids reading on grade level by the time they leave third grade, you're looking at 75% of crimes in the United States are committed by high school dropouts. 85% of juvenile offenders are struggling readers. I have no doubt about that. When I was teaching at Keystone, we had to call the gang unit out on two of our second graders because the gangs were already bringing the boys into the fold. Um, so we've, we've got we've to tackle this problem early on. And so that's what's so exciting about what's happening in Athens. And, and 
uh, you know, our founder, Donnie Gaines, said the same thing that you're saying, Chip. I think this could be a pilot for other uh, other communities. Oh, man, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Well, listen, Karen, thank you. I got to run, but thank you so much for, for coming oh, on the show. You, and thank you for what you do on a daily basis to help to improve. And you, you're, you're, you're improving lives. And, and I mean, you're making things a lot better for a lot of other folks that are coming up as well. So, and you know, you're always welcome on this show. So anytime yeah, we can help you promote anything that you're doing, you just, you know how to reach me and I know how to reach you. So. This summer, because when we have our kickoff in August, I'm looking for that auditorium to be filled up with 2,000 folks interested in serving children of our city to make it better for exactly what you're saying for all of us in Shelby County. That is a deal. Karen Vogel yeah. saying thank you so much for coming on Real Talk. Thank and I, you. I'll talk no, to you no. soon. Take care. You too. Yeah. All right. Bye. Well, that was a great show. I, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy talking to people who are, truly trying to make a difference uh, in improving the lives, and as Jack plays us out. Uh, yeah, this has been a good broadcast tonight. You know, I always think about that when I'm, when I'm trying to put guests together and shows together, but uh, I think that uh, we accomplished our mission tonight. I see all of you out there who uh, tuned us in tonight, and uh, that's gratifying. It's gratifying. And I hope that this is not a one-time thing. I hope that you come back every week. I hope that we provide enough content and input um, you know, and information that will bring you back to the fold and make Real Talk Memphis a real show in the city that has some legs and has some standing. And a must-see, a must-listen-to program. Uh, very, very grateful for all of you. Uh, and uh, if the Lord says so, we'll be back here, same time, same station, and we'll try to do it a little bit better. Uh, but, uh, of course, uh, we can't grow without you. So I appreciate you. So for... Lola, for Nicole, and my man Jack, I'm Chip, and I'm out.